we're all forgetting about the most important victims of the AI future. Shareholders. Which is is people with an atypical number of fingers. Because nobody will ever believe their true life actually happened because they have six fingers, you know? Yep. (laughs) Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 435 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is September 29th, 20 Jubilee. And before we get started, profanity warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. Warning. Also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, whose money we routinely grab, stuff it into our microphones, and then burn it to keep the microphones uh, nice and toasty Mm -hmm. for recording. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, All right. So we got lots of stuff going on this week uh, in kind of the, you know, the the industry, as we we like to say, in the the games space. All right. So guess you can just get right into it. Yeah, let's go. All right. So... First off, the past, uh, I guess, couple episodes, we've talked about Unity, the popular, well, formerly popular game engine (laughs) that, dare I say, a majority of small studios, of independent studios, and even some large studios uh, use to produce their games ranging from PlayStation, Xbox, big titles, small mobile games, big mobile games, you name it. The whole game. You did, Unity's somebody's made it in Unity. Okay, uh, so they've had this this debacle these past few weeks where they announced this horrifying decision to essentially unilaterally bankrupt all of these studios, mm-hmm. who then said, "Please don't." Mm-hmm. And uh, after about a week and a half of silence, Unity turned around and said, "Fine." Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> They, they changed their, their model. So now instead of an arbitrarily uh, enormous financial burden on all these studios, it's now going to be either that or a 2.5% revenue share, whichever is smaller, which will always be the 2.5% <laughs> revenue share. <laughs> well, as long, yep. Unless you have a game that's a, that's a premium title with no free demos, et cetera, et cetera. And, and no as pirates. long as, and as, long as I mean? piracy is something that you get to not count somehow, uh, then uh-huh. in principle, it could actually be a lot less to go with that 20 cent per yeah. install deal, right? Yeah. But, but this, it all depends on the details of how you're allowed to calculate it because also they switched it to now it's going to be definitely just self-reporting. So Self-reported revenue and installs. Yeah. So they're going to give some kind of guidance, which is has not yet been given, at least last time I saw, of how you count those installs, right? Um, and so that's then because they, they have to have some way to audit it too, right? Uh, my bet is what they're gonna do, what they're will end up doing is they'll have you use whatever the stores that you sell in report as those numbers um, of installs, hmm. and they'll just use that number because that's the one that they know they can get. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense for anything besides just selling games outright or at least distributing games outright. So it doesn't make sense for subscription services. If you're in some sub services and that kind of stuff, you're basically going to two and a half percent. Yeah. I think, I think in just about every scenario, you're going to two and a half percent, even in the, in the, the selling a, a super expensive premium game. Like the fact is, you know, if you're selling a game for 60 bucks, right? Well, well, 1% of that is 60 cents, right? So two and a half percent is going to be like two, two bucks ish basically. Right. 
per per copy that you sell. But of course, like you're gonna have, especially for a, a high priced premium game, you're gonna have way more pirates uh, than than a, a cheaper yeah, game. Yeah, but again, right? it, like I don't think the piracy thing matters though if they calculate it using store. Yeah, metrics. but that's that. Well, that's that's basically the essence of this whole backtracking that Unity has done, which is they've removed they've removed everything that they asserted they were going to do at the beginning, and they've landed in a in a space where it doesn't even make sense that they're still hanging on to this idea of installs because that's just not actually what it's going to be counted, and uh, it's just going to end up being a revenue share. Yeah. It's just a revenue like, share with extra steps. It's just a revenue share that's very convoluted for some reason. Um, so I, I really liked. I think the I think it was Rami Ismail who tweeted uh, a pretty good encapsulation of what this means now, which is that uh, <laughs> which what do you say something like this this uh, change that Unity has announced is great for developers because it gives us enough breathing room and time to switch to a different engine. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, that was the, the trust the whole time, right? Like, can we just yeah. get enough time to know that we know people are going to be absolutely destroyed in a way that is not? You know, yeah. Well, and the the most important change they made though is that they made it not retroactive, which I still don't believe they legally could have done anyway. I'm just not convinced that that's possible. Yeah, they might have uh, been able to do that in some countries, you know, because it is an international business, right? Like they have customers all over yeah. the world and stuff like that. Well, well I mean, if uh, there was any country you could do it in, it would be the United States <laughs> because we have, you know, the least consumer protections of basically anywhere. Um, but even even here, I don't think they could have gotten away with it. Yeah. I don't so, think. <laughs> and, and they asserted that their terms and conditions uh, are dictated by the laws of the state of California, which, I, again, I would think it would just kind of thing would not be legal, I think, in California. It's the closest definitely. to the EU that the states has. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's good that they, you know, reverted this horrifying move that they were about to do. But, uh, you know, you, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's over. Like the trust is gone. Um, if you if you go to like the Unity uh, subreddit, you know you've got just a lot of people coming in, being like, "Hey, I'm thinking about picking up Unity and learning." And people are just like, "Don't!" Like you get the entire Unity community just telling people not to use the engine, and a lot of the conversations in there are now people comparing notes on how to transition away from Unity. Right? Like. It's almost like a support group now of like mm-hmm. people grieving and helping each other cope, right? But you get um, it's so weird because if they wanted to do it, if they just wanted to get more money, they could have just been like, "Here's we want a two and a half percent royalty," and no one would have yeah. fled because that's like because that's fine. Annoying, that's a fine like, thing okay, to do. Sure. The, yeah. Pro- yeah, the problem is is that if if the decision that they did make and announced, if that way of thinking and that way of making decisions can somehow make it through their organization and then get publicly announced to developers, this is a broken company that has no understanding of their position in the industry and who their customers are and in just any of this stuff. And right? any understanding so, they do have is met with indifference, right? So like they don't care that everyone's livelihoods depend on this thing and so on and so forth, right? Um, so even if they do understand, which I would agree, it seems like they don't, but even if they do. <laughs> yeah, either they don't understand or they don't care. And yeah. both are both are bad. Not good. Both are not good. Like it's not good to pin your entire existence as a studio, as a professional, or whatever on a company that has either of those attitudes towards mm-hmm. you. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just not good, feels bad. And so people are, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I, I feel like it's, it's just on, on the way out now, yeah. right? Ship um, it is still difficult to find, you know, something comparable. So we did talk about like mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are going to Godot for maybe smaller game projects, which, uh, you know, can't really do console stuff mm-hmm. at this point. I think, you know, it's open source, so you could do all the console porting and SDK integration yourself. Yeah. I think the core problem but, is that know. is that you can't integrate with consoles in an open source way because because of licensing. Because of licensing for all yeah. the SDKs and docs and stuff from like the number of hoops that we that we jumped through to like get into the Nintendo ecosystem so that we could put our games on Switch and stuff, right? Uh, is just it's enormous and everything's yeah. locked under NDA and so on, right? So even even though like we even had to get through the process of like, even once we were putting a game on Switch, and even though our game engine, Game Maker, had a Switch port, there was this moment in time where we still had to like coordinate so that everybody knew we were allowed to talk to each other about Switch stuff. Yeah, because because um, the way that the way that all the consoles work is like everything about their tech is proprietary and under yeah. under under like contractual NDAs, right? And so like they they they're not just going to publish everything about their yeah, SDKs like and everything else as an open source thing for any developer to like make a Switch game or make an Xbox yeah, But game. it also means that you can't, like you can't contribute to Godot. Oh, here's like the Switch, the Switch module that lets you export to Switch, right? Because the only way you could do it would be if you revealed proprietary secrets that you're under NDA for, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so to I'm me, this sure is just a- people who have- People who've worked on Godot games who are, do have the console port capabilities, yeah. but the point is that that was, not, that was expensive. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to be available broadly. It cannot mm-hmm. be available broadly. Yeah. you'd have to find those people and do probably, you know hire them for stuff or whatever. And yeah, which to me, this is a yeah. and this, this <laughs> is also just one of those kind of short sighted things, in my opinion. Like much like Unity's pricing decision, uh, in terms of like it being short sighted. This idea that you know we want we want really good games for our platform for our you know console or whatever. Um, but for anybody to even begin to develop a game for our platform and understand what is required, we already have to have a, a legal arrangement with them, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no open source. There's no there's no extra contributors to it. This is all totally locked down. And it just means that like it, it makes it very anti-competitive in all these different ways, yeah, whether right. it's like on the engine side or the developer side or, or whatever. Well, it's also and it's anti-developer also, because, yeah, the, the cost to you to then get on that platform is just enormous because you can't share resources with other teams. Yeah, it's and nobody wins. Like the, even the company who has the proprietary info that they're locking down, like they, they now are 100% responsible for every aspect of it. And they incur tons of costs trying to manage all the legal and administrative stuff of keeping track of who ha- who can have access and who doesn't and who's allowed it, you know. Oh, and, in, uh, and in the end, they still control, like, what games end up on the platform, which is yeah, they still the own thing the platform. that actually matters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an, it is so bizarre to me. It's that, a little weird. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a historical momentum thing, right? Like, that's just, that's how it was in the, like, this is, this is how Nintendo won the console wars in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Is is through just extremely aggressive legal and technological lockdowns and exclusions, right? Yeah, um, and well, it is like it's, it's it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, you know. If you if you let that stuff go out, yeah. That's but the fact is, though, the moment anybody has accessed it, it's actually available in the public now, just not legally, right? Like. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, behind the scenes, like what we know is going on is that people who separately have agreements for like a given platform, then like talk to each other in good faith, even though they're not supposed to, because they don't have proof that they each have an NDA, yep. you know, and stuff, right? To get a hold of shared resources and stuff, right? And like, and we know this stuff leaks. Like, I would, I would bet you anything. Every version of the Switch SDK, you could just go find it on the internet without oh, a trap, People right? sideload stuff onto the Switch. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all people hack, it's, it's all a pointless <laughs> exercise <laughs> that just makes that that then when you're doing things, trying to do things the right way, right, um, or trying to do stuff in a in a more collaborative way, like have an open source game engine that everybody can just make stuff on the switch for. Uh, it just makes that basically impossible because projects then that actually are visible can't do that. They can't participate in this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I know from like from our own stuff too. Like it's just easier to have stuff be in like open in the public, right? Like mm-hmm. the amount of stuff you have to do to keep things private it's is so, hard. it's so much harder <laughs> than just, cause like we, so we like, so we have all, we have some proprietary tech like rumpus, right? But it's proprietary, not because we don't want people to steal it, but because like, if people know too much about how it works, we worry about people breaking. It's security. Yeah. It's a security. security. St- stability. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, but if, if it was the case though, that, that we had some kind of a program where like thousands of other people could get access to that information, we would just open source it because at that point we lose the security benefits of locking it down. Yeah. Like it just wouldn't happen. Well, and we've got that with things like stitch. Yeah. Right? Well, there's the reason like, that I put stitch out in the, in the open was because it's just less of a pain in the ass to deal with. If I can put it on GitHub and I can, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I can use all of their infrastructure that works really well for public repos and it's free by the way. So it's also cheaper to do it. Uh, and leverage other people's infrastructure for things. Um, and then you also get feedback from the from the community in a public way so that your support costs go down because everybody can see each other's reports. Like everything just gets easier, but also harder because like now you're dealing with the masses, right? Which can be pretty challenging, especially if you're operating at the scale of Nintendo. So they're like, it's not to say that open source is easy because it's because it's not well the reality is the, the benefit of keeping things closed is, is the benefit of keeping them closed which is like it's private you're supposed yeah. to, you have you have it all for yourself and everybody else has to do a bunch of work for you well, that's yeah, the, the monkey's paw it's like you you can control all like all the flow of information in so and out but also you have to yeah. right <laughs> and, well, and, and the moment you and this is the thing that's like, just so dumb to me is the moment like with, with these SDKs and the docs for these SDKs and stuff, tens of thousands of people that are not Nintendo have access to them. Oh, yeah. Yep. Of course. Tens it's of like thousands. How this, it's like how the summer sales would always leak before they finally made them public. Yeah. All their sales public like last year, right? Because it was like- Yeah, there's, there's too many There's so many devs. Yeah, there's yeah. so many devs. And you could become a dev with $100. So it's like, yeah. there is no- Well, and the incentive- <laughs> There's no real- Yeah, <laughs> the incentive to keep it private is zero, right? Yeah, the ability to track whether or not somebody's released it is zero, right? So like- the net effect of all of it is it's just it's just a charade that wastes everybody's time. Yeah. You know? So which is all to say that like what makes what makes Unity sticky as an engine is that you know they do have deals with basically Unity plays the the middleman. So they will have deals with all these different consoles where they they have legal access to these SDKs and stuff, and then Unity will have to collab, uh, coordinate with each developer or each studio who claims to have a contractual arrangement with one of these consoles to be able to get access to the SDK, right? So Unity basically will like vet that and then like pass pass it on to them, right? Well, because so they don't, very unless, do they have an agreement where they can actually deliver the SDKs? 
Because like I know for it's, Game uh, Maker, we have to get the SDK like because like the, basically the evidence that we can use it is the fact that we got a hold of the SDK, sort of, right? Um, yeah. Well, there's kind of two parts to it, right? Like like we need the SDK to be able to work on things, and then also like there's a runtime and porting component that the engine like there's all there's kind of these different layers to it, but ultimately it comes down to like it's not just like the the engine maker and the developer, it's like the console also is involved in this whole process from like right, a legal and administrative level. standpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if if that changed, then something like Godot would just easily be able to take over, right? Yeah. Because like people would trust an open source project better. And if it can do all the things, then yeah, well, and I, and I think use like, that. You know? as, yeah, as we've said in the past, like the, I think the most important choice, honestly, in a game engine is your ability to access platforms with the game that you make with it. I think that's more important than anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, things like if you're, that's, if you're like the majority of devs, market. yeah, if you're like the majority of devs who are targeting one of the more open platforms, so either mobile or Steam, like that it is it's still just the vast majority of mm-hmm. games is one of those two that yeah. you don't need to worry about. So it's also yeah. that big piece, right? Which is like, as much as it's the case that, yeah, like, you know, Unity has this, uh, essentially the console tie-in that Godot doesn't, that's not really relevant for most devs. Well, and I think like, I, you know, yeah, I agree with that. And I'll, and I'll also say that that because consoles are so like locked down and they also are just like they, they're so quintessentially gaming, you know, mm-hmm. I think being able to put a game on a console is more. Now, this is this is a hot take, but I think it's more Dude, it's more it. of a of a vanity project than an actually sound business move. I, I'm with unless you're this. a triple A or got an exclusive. Yeah, right? unless, exactly. Yeah. Unless yeah. you already have, because because the fact is that the that none of the consoles do a good job with indie titles. Yes. At various points in time, any one console has like had a decent kind of little indie movement for a couple of years or at a time or whatever, right? Where yeah, so you'd have like like Celeste on the Switch or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you'll see some of these now and then, but but on the whole, the only platforms you can successfully sell any titles on, uh, like historically and, and continuously, are Steam and mobile. Um, and mobile's very challenging, right? But Well, and I think so big, selling uh, on mobile is a challenge. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, and a, a big part of that is the concept of like first-party titles and exclusives, right? Like, yeah, exactly, yep. If, if these platforms... It's all about um, discovery mechanisms. Yeah, if these platforms have specific studios or games that they themselves are funneling a bunch of money into as an investment to bring people to, so think about like God of War on PlayStation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a Sony studio and they're making God of War games for PlayStation and for nothing else, right? Like they're, they're viewing that as a console selling title. Um, so if you release your indie game and then Sony has to decide, do we show, you know, Jerry's fun uh, puzzle box game or this other game that we spent $200 million promoting like, mm-hmm. and developing? They're going to promote their own game that they put their own money into yeah. 10 times out of 10, right? Yeah, but, and it's, uh, and it's but not mobile to say, doesn't have that. Yeah, it's not to say there's, there's a reasonable chance you can – more than break even on like the costs of getting your game on the platform. Yeah, certainly. If it's a you, successful you game, be, it can be successful. There it too. can be successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But because it's so expensive in yes. your time and in the tech and everything to get onto those platforms, it very quickly eats away at any kind of ROI you can get. And because the tail, at least in our experience and from everything we've seen for indies, the tail on consoles just 
actually goes to zero, right? On like Steam, there's like, there's a tail there. Like it, it's low compared to your launch, right? But there's a tail there because they have discovery on the, on the store, right? Mm-hmm. On Google Play. Mobile is the same, actually. There's a tail there. Yeah, on, mm-hmm. on iOS, the tail's not, the tail is good if you have a game that they've really promoted over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, then it also goes to zero because also they don't have as good of discovery on that platform. It's less, uh, less algorithmic discovery going on yeah. over there. And so... So, so you can, you can like break even, right. Um, mm-hmm. but you can't really use it as a way to like keep your studio. Cause like breaking even just means you're on a, you're on a treadmill. You just like got back out exactly what you yep. put in. You can't do a next thing. You didn't make enough money to do yeah. that. Right. But of course, long-term, uh, the more platforms you're on, the higher your maintenance costs are. And especially consoles because of all the extra layers of certification that you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, even if you do break even, you're you're actually worse off in the long run. You know, uh, yeah. the history. I think the history of our experience with this is telling, which is that we went from being like, oh, we need to be on everything, which which was our that was our whole shtick for years, right? We need to be on everything because that way you get little little bits of money coming from everywhere, which is true. You you oftentimes will get little bits of money, very very from, little bits, um, super tiny tiny bits of money. Sometimes <laughs> so little you you kind of. <laughs> Just it's have to shock. laugh. Yeah, Sometimes so, you get a monthly uh, statement and you're like, I'm going to go buy a, a pack of gum with that. <laughs> sandwich money. Yeah, we talk about sandwich money a lot in like the very, very early days. Not in this economy. Not in this economy, yeah. Sandwich money is like, oh man. Sandwich money is $40 now. Yeah. So I think that the reality is where we move to is that you should be on as few things or as viable. The trick is where we should have started, but you know, it's yeah. one of those. But like, you should be, able, and I think that's the crux, right? Is you should be able to be mm-hmm. on as many things as possible because- as the market around us moves, you never know when like the next oh PlayStation's now like they've got an indie program and they're throwing money at indies because of some reason or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be agile to be able to. Yeah, if a project takes four years to make, two that's yeah, that's exactly it. Is, like, yeah, it takes so long to make games that the, the industry shifts. shifts around us while we're doing it, and we have to be ready to take advantage of whatever the current market status is. And the reality is that between PC and mobile and the consoles, every year something has shifted about their business approach, how they're fighting each other, what they're doing for the indie scene and so on. Um, and that doesn't mean like you need to have an operational, you know, PlayStation version like right now, right? But it does but you mean that if, know if it works you, with a controller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, but yeah, and that's so we focus on form factor, which is to say we make sure our games work with touch and with keyboard and mouse. And with a and with a controller, right? Because that means we've covered at least the game itself. It's now a technical challenge: is how do we get it on the platform, right? Yeah. Um, But it also means that if we choose a game engine that you know is going to be extremely expensive or extremely difficult to get onto a given platform, then that raises the bar dramatically for what has to be true about the market for you to be able to be successful there. But having said all of that, I'm taking all this stuff together though. At least with the current market situation. Um, it doesn't actually matter. I think that it's a pain in the ass to get onto consoles from Godot mm-hmm. because I think it wouldn't be a good use of your dev time anyway. Mm-hmm. In most cases, that's not universally true, right? But in the vast majority of cases, I think that's that's actually well. And, and you know, if you're the the scenarios where it's probably worth it to go to console are either like your game has already done super well um, on other platforms, right? And you and You've got like a big demand for it. Even in those cases, it may not pan out, you know. But um, but that that can help. And the other scenario is that the uh, the 
the console itself has is offering you some kind of upfront money to bring your game onto some service that they have or, or whatever. And in those cases, you know, you can negotiate uh, through the porting costs and stuff. And like, those are, those are very common kinds of conversations. And mm-hmm. so like, uh, you know, you, you could justify it that way. Like, cause you, if you had to develop your own way of porting your game in Godot, right. To be able to run it on switch or something like that. Um, and if you were actually in talks with Nintendo about it, then that would just be part of the conversation and mm-hmm. they, they might be able to help you. Right. It does bring it back though, to why all this is so dumb, because if, all of this stuff was just open so that then you would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause then you would be fine. And like, and, but the amount of way, and this is like one of the things that frustrates me the most about, and this is true in all industries, but I know one of my, I probably mentioned the podcast before, but one of my things that makes me irate, the more I think about it is, is what internet Explorer and the older, the older yep. days, what they did to the web industry because of how much of people's time was wasted. Making everybody work so that you can protect some small piece of, your company that in the long scale, yeah, probably because like long term is questionably useful. Anyways. Yeah, well, they, they had a <laughs> shitty browser is the truth of it, right? And yep. that didn't support web standards. And and so most of like every web developer in the 2000s to early 2010s, 30% of their job is basically like trying to make things work on Internet Explorer, right? Well, so you had to like, do everything twice. Like, you do everything twice. So, yeah, so working, imagine, I mean, getting working on Internet Explorer. Yeah, you just do <laughs> You, you so thirty percent of all of de, all of web developer time, right? Just got deleted for a decade. Was just thrown away for no fucking reason, right? And well, no, again, for a very good reason for Microsoft, which is that money. they didn't want to put any energy into it, and they already had full market. Yeah, well, exactly. That's it. Yeah, it's it's they chose to waste this enormous amount of human yeah, time. That's, right? that's the thing that always gets me with the with the consoles, and I think the 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 caution that I have for indies, especially those who played a lot of games growing up and are huge Nintendo fans, Nintendo yeah. in particular, uh, is that it is true that, yeah, it's cool to have your game on something like a Nintendo product, right? The Switch, whatever else. Um, but they do not care how much of your time. Man, they just, yeah, they don't care. They so it's like, I don't know how to put it, but it's like, if you could still do it. Just be very clear that like you're, you're potentially just doing it because it's cool. For you yeah, most of it, and even if it is like again, even if it does actually make financial sense to do it, if it just was something that you could just do because oh yeah, it was all then you wouldn't have this whole extra like okay, well we can spend an extra three months right because sure in the end you might more than break even doing that potentially again I think in most cases today you wouldn't. Um, but but then what could you have done instead mm-hmm. if it just yep. already worked if you didn't have it, to. You know, yeah, you could actually add uh, add more features to your game, polish it, or make a new debu- one. Yeah. do some QA, start make working on the next game, add right? a DLC, whatever, right? Like, there's so many things you could have done instead. It's just a it's just a waste of time. Um, and it just is. Yeah, that's the part it's, that makes me just. It's a million angry. people independently solving the exact same problem over and over and over again in isolation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just on so behalf, especially on behalf of a company. Yeah, who's not that. It doesn't care about. It doesn't care about the fact. Well, yeah, and it's it's this whole idea of like the the tax, right? And and the regressive tax that you pay as a small game studio, right? Because when you go to the stores, they still take their thirty percent cut. Although on mobile now, it's fifteen percent for your first your first mil. Yeah. million. And I on think. Steam, it goes down as you make more. Yeah, money. on Steam, <laughs> it's I don't understand it's the, the <laughs> hilariously 
Oh, it's literally thing. regressive in it's terms of like the way you would describe a uh, tax policy, right? It's like charge people making less money, more money. Yeah. And then as they make more money, charge them less money. Yeah. But that's like, is like, is when you're, when you're a small studio, then like, cause it like 30% makes a big difference no matter how big you are. Right. Um, but when you're a small yeah. studio, it's, it's whether or not you survive. Right. When you're a big studio it's how many people you have on staff and like, and still when games come out and how many games you make, that's all still true. Right. Um, but the studio gets to keep going, right? Um, because you're just big enough that you just fire people, right? <laughs> or whatever. Also, it's the so, portfolio effect. You know, it's like if you have a very small yeah. studio, you don't have a lot of, you typically don't have, you don't, don't have, wiggle room. have a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same deal here is like, is for a large studio, a tiny fraction of its cost goes into like managing platforms, right? Because a huge studio making one or two games, right? But if you're a hundred tiny studios that add up to the same size as that big studio making a hundred different games, all solving the same problem a hundred yeah. times. There's no economies of scale yeah. there. You it's know? just, yeah, it's just stupid and bad. Yeah. But I will so, say, I mean, overall, this is very good news for Unity devs, right? Because you could you could cease the panic. Yeah, at least. You, you can you figure out your your X strategy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got time, and you can finish your current game. Uh, but yeah, I think long term, uh, if Maybe I was if I was working in Unity, I'd 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 be looking for uh, yep. looking for the eject button mm-hmm. wherever I can. Uh, so otherwise, something kind of wild happened this week. Actually, kind of wild is I think a is an understatement, mm-hmm. but uh, Lex Friedman did an interview with Mark Zuckerberg this week. You can find it on YouTube, and they did it in VR using their using their Meta's headset Your thing, thing. Mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Uh, what's it called? I have no the, idea. It's that that I one no with idea. the weird with the weird eyeballs too close together in the front of it. You know, it used to be a Oculus camera. as a brand. I don't know if they have yeah. Now it's like Quest, like. maybe or something. But uh, in this interview, it starts off with. Like with Lex Friedman standing in this like white room, kind of, kind of speaking, and uh, and then as he's talking about like, oh yeah, this, this following interview is me talking to Mark Zuckerberg. We're we're doing the interview in the metaverse. We're doing it in VR. Blah blah blah. And I thought that this was a video of him standing in a white room. And then at some point they sw- they switched the view and overlaid, and you could see the um, the Mom. noise map. On his on a 3D model, and it's a fucking 3D model. And I thought it was just a video of him. And then it turns out that uh, this tech that Meta's been working on is this full body scanning tech, where essentially you 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 got to like go to this facility, and they'll scan you for like three hours uh, while you are reading things, emoting, making different gestures. Very accessible blah, blah, technology. Blah. Yeah. So you got to do all this stuff, but but. What it does then is it encodes all these aspects of your your avatar um, into this codec that Meta has developed that is super compressed and allows it to essentially like send all this hyper realistic details to the other person on the other side of this. Essentially, it's a video call where you're just like having a conversation with them. Um, but it's actually that, them. Like the facial expressions are on point. Like it's not. It wasn't uncanny. It just looks like like two people floating in a black void talking to each other. It's fucking wild. Um, Yeah, it's the first mm -hmm. thing I've seen from Zuckerberg and that whole metaverse sphere of stuff. That's actually cool shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. And I know like we've been razzing on them for like, oh, they spent like $15 billion in like four years or whatever. I'm like, which again, is still still (laughs) mind-boggling. It still seems like too much. Yeah, but this is – so this is the first time where like Sam was saying, you see – 
this VR tech. And like in, in my mind, it's the first time I've ever seen somebody put on a VR headset and do something with it where I said to myself, that's cool as fuck. Like mm-hmm. I could actually see myself doing this because they were, they're actually, they were in different states during the mm-hmm. interview. Um, and goddamn, it just, it just looked like they were just sitting across the table from each other, mm-hmm. just having a conversation and they, and they're able to make eye contact with each other. That's the weird part. Yeah. Think about like, um, That's one of those things in video culture. You can't actually look. You can never actually there's a camera because there's a camera, but looking at the camera is weird. Yeah. But of course, the way the VR stuff works is like this is and this is what they're engineering for is is to make it so that like so that the eye contact actually works. Like when you're looking at somebody's eyes, like the camera picks up on that and it, mm-hmm. it works, you know. Um, and it's so wild. it's really wild. <laughs> I can't even. It's just fucking weird. Yeah. And like if you're if you're looking closely, you will notice that in some cases, some words or some like ways of mouth movements and stuff don't quite match up mm-hmm. um like if somebody is making an f sound sometimes like the way that they're like you know like when somebody makes an f sound in real life their their teeth touch their lip right and it's kind of this like mm-hmm. physical thing that's happening but uh it's definitely the, it's the dumbest looking of all the sounds you can make i think it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep. but like but when you do it on the in vr they're like sometimes like the teeth wouldn't actually touch the lip and stuff and like you so there's a very small number of very small little details that are still missing, but that just it, it's so far along that it doesn't matter at this well, point. Well, we should also right? say that that like this, these are always golden path demos, you know. Um, even when they bring in somebody from the outside, so the tech is super impressive. And you're saying like there's a small number of things that are janky. I bet you anything. There's a way more things that are janky. Like oh, which is yes. which isn't to take away from how cool the golden path is and the fact that it works that well. In this like really constrained, carefully constructed scenario, right? Um, is because that's always the first step to then it working in in these broader scenarios. So, so it's very I, it's, cool what it means for like what's next and like when it becomes available to people. And of course, the problem of like it is in the end Meta and how many people want to give I over mean, your yeah, fucking body scan to Meta? You know, I mean, like, no yeah. thanks. But also, <laughs> yeah, it's the first time where I've seen. I mean, there's a bunch of sci-fi movies and stuff where it's like, oh, we got all the world leaders together talking and about this, this and the problem. hollow deck. Yeah, and they're like, and everyone's like actually sort of phased in, and then they leave or like kind of blip out. And it's like you could literally do yeah, that with this. That. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that's cool shit. That's yeah. just that's just so cool. And but also, of course, you have the problem where like. Someone's now wearing your body. It's not yeah. you. It's not. It's not real time scanning you. Right. Right. That's that's not what's happening. It's it's not using a video of you. It's not actually. It's just mapping it to what you're doing. So you could technically like wear Zuckerberg's body, mm-hmm. right? So that's yeah. like unless unless they've weird. got some kind of you know hyper sophisticated like lockdown where like they do a face scan and then they map that to your avatar. So that only you're only even if they do, you know, as like, we discussed, yeah, all that shit gets cracked open in a second. Yep. Yeah. yeah they also so, won't because they do not give a shit if people yeah. impersonate other people. That's fair. Yeah. But that's 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 the part that I was like, oh, that's it's the first very sci-fi and very cyberpunk thing I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. A, but as you noted, time. it also we're on this road to the most horrifying deep fake landscape, like just I were there, baby. Like it's no, we're, yeah, we're already there, but mm-hmm. the technology keeps getting it's like the technology is accelerating at just how much how far you can it go. Can do. Yeah. And and there's a lag right now because it still largely isn't very accessible, right? Because like you said, this isn't available to the public yet. And even if it – like in the access to it required a three-hour body scan at a fancy facility designed for this purpose and so on, right? Like 
But this stuff is accelerating so fast. And, and again, it's already the case that that if you're if you are shown a video, the technology is already good enough and accessible enough that you already can't tell if it's real or not. We're already there. But yep. the ability to just impersonate like anybody is still lagging a bit. Just a tiny bit. But, but real time. time. That's that's the thing that was weird to me. It's like the real time aspect. Because it's one thing yeah. to have like, oh, here's a video. But it's like if you had an interview, you know, if you're like if you do an interview with one of these things, with like someone from, uh, I don't know, like a news organization interviewing someone, the fact of the matter is that it could just literally not be that person mm-hmm. live. Well, I'm even thinking about even like weirder like, situations. So like Chat GPT this week, was it? Mm-hmm. Or OpenAI this week um, announced they're rolling out this new uh, audio and and like voice capability in chat GPT where essentially like you could just talk to it. Yeah. I tried it. It's great. And it just talks right back. You give it images. You you give it images and be like, Hey, I saw someone upload a whiteboard diagram of a program. Like a really, I mean, just like a typically poorly drawn whiteboard schematic and just fucking coded it based on that diagram. It's freaky. So it can do the image recognition. You can have conversations with it. Right. And it's like, all right, well, you know, if you take all this stuff together, of course, Meta is doing as much as they can to, to work on uh, on large language models and AI tech as well, right? And like you can guarantee that soon enough there will be a uh, a VR like person who's like your virtual assistant who you can see and it looks like you're in the same room as them and you can just have full on conversations mm-hmm. with them. Um, Eye contact like, included. Which is yeah, wild. And the fact is, the fact is like all of the pieces to make that do exist now already. Yeah, right. They're just now. not particularly accessible. Right. Nobody's. Yeah, no, they're not that accessible, and nobody's pulled them together like that yet. But they're all just there, waiting around. So like that's kind of weird, but cool. Mm-hmm. But then the even weirder is like, uh, did we talk about what Grimes did with Grimes? Uh, mm-hmm. Grimes AI. So Grimes, the the singer, mm-hmm. uh, worked with this AI company to make. A, to make an AI Grimes that can, you can like sing, she'll sing and like you give lyrics and, and music and stuff. And, and she basically said, I wanted to be able to be featured in an infinite number of other people's songs, but I don't, I can't, I don't have the time. Right. <laughs> and oh. so she's like, she's like, so I just made this AI model of and my voice that anybody can use. And then I, I will just ask. I'll, I just have a, a royalty agreement on it where I just get a cut of the rev of the royalties from whatever song. Um, so she just basically open sourced herself, right? As <laughs> like as an as an artist, then it's like, all right. Well, what happens? Let's say you've got like a favorite uh, podcaster or celebrity, whatever, right? Um, personality, somebody who you would normally never be able to actually like talk talk to, right? What if you wanted to? Take all 435 hours of this show, right? Mm-hmm. You, you chunk it into some one of these AI model buddies so that you can yeah. just at any point be like, instead of asking podcast questions, you can just ask. You can just be part of the conversation. The AI coffee with butterscotch <laughs> crew and get this rambling bunch of nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but th- but even weirder then is this kind of like, like we talk. I don't know if we've talked in the past about the idea of parasocial relationship, right? But it's just mm-hmm. like it's the idea that there's this kind of asymmetry that happens where if you follow uh if you follow somebody who's a public figure, then you know like a million things about them and they don't really know anything about you, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a super asymmetry there. 
it'll be even weirder in the near future when let's say there's like an AI, <laughs> there's like an AI Tom Cruise who you can just you would chat with every morning over coffee. Every yes. day at lunch, you can have lunch with Tom Cruise and just have weird conversations about aliens or whatever you want to talk to him about. But then if you actually did ever come across him in real life, he would have no fucking idea who you are, even though, even though if to you it will feel like you've spent the last five years spending every lunch with him. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, like, it goes beyond the current stuff, right? Because the parasocial stuff is already very interesting because of the, like you said, the, the information asymmetry. But it's it's one thing to sort of be like, it's almost like hanging out around someone is, is the current kind of parasocial vibe, right? You're not. Yeah. You don't feel like you're interacting with them in like a tangible like you might you might kind of again it's an eye contact you're not making eye contact you're not back and forthing uniquely right but again if take that that next step further where it's like you actually are then you meet the real person i don't know the whole thing's fucking wild it feels like it would be it would take that don't meet your heroes thing to like the next level because you know also like one of the things about about ai is when you're talking to ai um it is like infinitely patient and you know all this stuff (laughs) and like the old so like I, I have to imagine. Well, it doesn't that have to be right. It doesn't have to be. Right. Yeah, because like if they if if they do some kind of a mapping of like a famous person and like develop a you know an AI personality profile, then yeah, maybe it would just yeah, act like, just yeah, like they yeah. would. Well, you go you talk know? to Mel Gibson, he'll start telling racist stuff to you. You know, for example. Yeah, like, get the fuck out of here! I'm working on my lines for my movie. Right? It's like, well, that was disappointing. I didn't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the conversation much. I wanted to have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just this idea that that. We could essentially go through like the writings of uh, and and information about historical figures and, and whatever, and like recreate them. In of course, like it wouldn't actually be a, a true rec- recreation, but we wouldn't have any way of knowing, right? Because if we just get all the information we have about somebody, everything they've ever said and written and whatever, and like make a replica of that person that you can mm-hmm. then just. It's, it's, a, chat it's with, a replica you know? of the of the public of the public of the person yeah, the right? public yeah. Uh, yeah 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 but yeah um, I think I think all this is like really it's interesting it's like it's just like interesting like what does this mean but it, I think for me it's mostly horrifying <laughs> kind of it's uncomfortable well it's not like, that's uncomfortable I think it's I think it's really bad that this technology is not just coming but already is possible right because the fact is there's nothing stopping anybody right now today. From putting together an AI model of my voice, mm-hmm. right, and then just making things that have have that seem to be me saying stuff, right, mm-hmm. and whether or not that stuff is good or bad, the fact that it, it could be bad is like the biggest part of that problem, right? But the fact that it just isn't stuff that I said, mm-hmm. right, and they can just put that, they can just start putting that forth, right? They can go anywhere, like it could appear in anything, it could appear in. Uh, suddenly there could be a viral TikTok of this unknown person, Adam Coster, saying this horrible thing. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is this? So that somebody can make some content out of it, right? And then all of a sudden I'm on I'm on the news and I'm like, I, what are you talking it, about? I didn't say any of this. And they're like, well, looks like I mean, this sounds like you though, right? You know, like I, I'm actually I'm in a different camp on this because I'm thinking about like, let's say, let's say you've got um an elderly family member. Who no, I'm not saying there isn't the good stuff you can do. I'm saying I don't even care about the good stuff because the bad stuff is going to be <laughs> happening. There's going to be so much of the bad stuff is going to be happening. It's going to destroy people's lives on an, on an impressive level we've never seen before. And but I mean, the thing is, this all of this is already possible and it's not really happening, right? Like, 
That's because it's not it's, easy enough yet. It's pretty fucking easy. It's, it's not easy, easy enough yet. yet. Because this, in order for this I, stuff to, to to happen at scale, it's got to be easy enough, right? Yeah, the but thing I is, think, like, think, a lot of this is happening in this, like, behind-the-scenes way, right? Where, because, like, for example, one of the things I've been seeing pop up on my TikTok, where, because, you know, they always show you, like, oh, here's the zero views thing we want right. to get some eyeballs on, right? Is, like, repeatedly recently, I've been getting these, like, weird AI-made videos of, like, that are, like, the whole thing is very fake, Right. But it's an advertisement for a website where you can post anybody's pictures and it takes their clothes off for you, right? Ooh, that's happening. That's a real thing that exists right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is I don't I I I don't buy this argument that like uh, that we shouldn't push push the tech because it can be used. For oh, like, I'm not saying me, we shouldn't push the tech. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying the fact that we're doing it without. Any like, are there any legal ramifications right now? If so, like, if somebody just goes and rips my voice out of this thing and makes a fake me and then makes it say a bunch of stuff, nope. Is that even illegal? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, how? I mean, how is it, would be, it, would be, the, it would be probably go under defamation. Depends on yeah. what. What or, if it didn't say anything bad? You know. Yeah, I think that's that's the no, tricky so bit. It doesn't it's matter. Like, you have this. You have this. Uh, this gap, right? Where because of the accelerating speed with which you can sort of, you're starting to be able to just do anything, right? Not just, again, I think Adam's point is not just to public figures, which is a different kind of thing, but just to. Yeah, which is anyone. still not great, but it's anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could, anybody. Uh, yeah. And how well, I think anything that's sufficiently impactful is, you know, it's just, it's going to have multiple sides to it. You know, like I think about like, I love the fact that when I got my wisdom teeth out, uh, they gave me some painkillers to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Had they said, well, you know, we could we could develop, you know, the tech to make you not suffer for the next week. But if we did that, then some number of people would have their lives ruined because they would become addicted to it. So you're going to have to just fucking. But I think, but I think Adam's, it, Adam's point is that that's not where he's coming from. His point is that on the back end more so that you have. Yeah, some that's why we have regulations case, around. Yeah, you have some companies who just sort of like just pushing those and prescribing those so fucking hard that you create an mm-hmm. opioid epidemic, right? It's more yeah. so that this side. Is, of this it. is because yeah. yeah, I feel like that's, more I feel like a, that's where all this tech is right now. Is is it's basically what, what was the company that did oxycontin that basically completely destroyed the yeah I remember middle class America with the opioid crisis, right? Yeah, I don't know. Because to take your example into that realm, I think that's actually where we are. I think we're I think the tech is the equivalent of every tech company being that company, as in. There are no regulations. There's no safeguards. Nobody's actually – all anybody cares about is how do we get this tech developed fast and pushed out, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. But that, but that's just that's just the, the the human nature side of it. Like to me, there's – this is a – it's not a, a tech problem. It's a regulation problem, which t- sounds like what you're describing. No, it's, I mean like, it's, it's both because like – you know, the, the tech people could be regulating themselves at the same time, right? But you can't. But they, uh, but they can't because of competition. Yeah. Like you need a you no, need a, a you need a third party to come they, in. Like you're and saying, take can't and I'm what I'm saying is won't, right? Because that because it's not that they well can't. no no they they can't in, in the same way that like if somebody makes a game in Unity and then they would be subject to these developer fees, they can't publish it because they're fucked if they do, right? Like if you're a company, if you're open open AI. And you say, wow, you know, this tech has moved far enough. We should stop and wait for regulations to come in. Nobody else is going to stop. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying they should stop. I'm saying part of the process of building this stuff should include the process of figuring out what are the ethical implications, what are the safeguards, and how do we do this? And these same fucking companies, which would actually be good for them anyway, and actually it's like Sam Freeman, whatever his name is, tried to Lex yep. whatever his name is tried to do right where he was like the, the guy who's doing the open AI. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Sam Altman. 
Sam Altman. Sam Altman. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's so many combinations <laughs> of these names. Uh, he actually tried to do where he was like, hey, we should pump the, but his strategy was like, hey, we should pump the brakes while we're ahead. So it was like this transparent bullshit kind of a thing, right? But like, it also would have been in his best interest if he had actually gone and said to Congress, hey, let's put some laws in place because we can't actually stop ourselves. He did do that. A yeah. bunch of times, but they just didn't, you know. Well, I think it's like, yeah, they're they're busy trying to shut down the government and fabricate. It's all it's yeah. all too <laughs> slow. It's all too slow to yeah. keep up. And I think that's the point is that, that like it's it's all common. Yeah. And also, but also a lot of these capabilities have already been present in just slightly different ways or requiring slightly more expertise. So the whole example of like, oh, send me a picture and I'll take the clothes off. Like you can do that. You can fake it. It's fake. So like you can do the same thing with Photoshop. It's not like it has fucking x-ray vision and it's like, here's the body that's actually in there. No, it's just filling it in, right? It's in painting, right? Well, no, but it yeah. doesn't matter whether it's the real body. That's not the problem. The problem is that now- It removes the skill barrier of well, having no, the, to actually no, the learn problem how is to Now there is porn of you on the internet and people won't know. Yeah, but I'm saying this, that's been yeah. a problem since- Photoshop is available. Yeah, I think it is a problem already, right? Yeah, it just is now a problem at scale. As in yes, like- Yes, the scale is yeah, easier. And so, yeah, so I think the fact that all these things were like technically possible or have been happening or whatever are are not- You're saying true, but scale is- It's true, but it doesn't, yeah, it different. doesn't matter. Yeah, because yeah, it's scale. And the thing that's at stake here is like, and the fact is like, like the three of us would be- fine because it's, it would be easy for us to be to like point it like hey we have a public podcast everything we've actually said is in it right mm -hmm. here's the videos that go into our public channel everything we say is actually in it right uh and we're like three well-off white dudes right so mm -hmm. we'll be given every benefit of the doubt if somebody comes out and says look at this thing that these that these people did or whatever right we'll very likely be able to recover and it won't be a big deal but that's not true for a yeah, huge for sure. fraction of people right and it, we're going to start seeing these kinds of stories of people who are like, oh, I was like trying to get a job, but then, right. but then my potential employers like did some Google searches and found like all of this horrible stuff that they thought was me, right? Mm -hmm. Or even not horrible stuff because like sex work shouldn't be a problem, right? But people see it as a problem. And so it's just stuff that would if, fit with whatever you're trying to do. Yes. Right? And so, if, so if, if somebody goes and finds a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't even you, right, they can't tell the difference and then – that's that, right? But I think mainly I think is where we're, we're getting to very rapidly is a slightly different outcome, which I think is is simply that the – I know where I've been too, I think similarly, is like the amount of trust I have in anything that I see on the internet has been – Oh, it's zero, yeah. In like 20, maybe 10 or so, it was felt like it was pretty – you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's a thing. That's definitely a thing that happened. Um, and then through through the 2010s, the end of the 2010s, basically getting to a point where it was like most of this feels like it's – it's engineered. Yeah, as people way. figured out like astroturfing and, and making bot farms to manipulate yeah. public sentiment or even just that like – Yeah, but now it's uh, getting to a point where it's like – it's not even just that it's like you know, essentially tweets or whatever sentiment, like this broad idea of like a thousand random people saying something that might be fake. But rather it's it's a whole different kind, which is like that the – what seems like a very real photo or a very real video or a very real piece of speech mm -hmm. is maybe not – and I think largely what it feels like we're moving to is the point where where you actually just have a severe amount of distrust from, or you actually should. Well, when it comes and that to would be yeah. Anything. The problem is that we still don't yet, so the damage can. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I my guess is like the next five, ten years is going to be this like intense erosion. Yeah, of and and, I'll, and there's going to be trust. In it. But in order to actually get to the point where people don't trust it, damage has to be done, right? Yeah, the amount, and so more. What I'm saying is yeah, more. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, enough that it actually impacts enough people who otherwise wouldn't be suspicious, right? Yeah. Um, like there yeah. needs to be enough stories that people 
broadly distrusted, not just distrusted in sort of segments, right? And so in order for us to get to that scale, the amount of human suffering and damage that has to be created to get us to the point where it doesn't create that damage anymore, right, is just astronomical. And I don't so, think that'll even happen. Not 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 because of optimism, but because of <laughs> but because uh so much of what a lot of this tech is is capable of is creating pockets and bubbles of misinformation yeah, echo exactly. chambers. Yep. So like a, even if a bunch of bad things have happened to you, there's a good chance that you are in an echo chamber that is redirecting your anger about those things towards some completely unrelated third party that is not responsible for any of the bad things that happened to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like if if you're if you're you know suffering economically or something because of because of automation essentially uh, making your industry obsolete, but you just happen to be in an echo chamber that is redirecting your anger toward immigrants, you know, mm-hmm. then like you have no opinions about robots, but you're real mad about people coming over the border, right? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's just so easy to manipulate people that I don't know if if the damage being done will actually correlate to the response. It may not. And that's, and that's even, that's even worse. Right. And cause like, and I think it's also like, even outside of the sheer scale, like the breadth of like how many people can be damaged by this stuff. I think it's also the depth to which a single person can have their life just absolutely destroyed is also increasing because the degree to which you can, like the extent to which you can create fake stuff and false narratives. Right. That seem extremely real, just is. Well, they could take off. They could take off the consequences first, and then because there's essentially it's rapidity and response that's required nowadays too. You see this a lot with typically like viral viral things that then get someone fired or whatever else. Yeah, the and damage then, is just already done. Yeah, and then with some frequency, actually, you'll see that yeah, it was not entirely it accurate. The whole story. So yeah. it's like, oh shit. But also, like yeah. our our legal system still like. I mean, our legal system sucks in an infinite number of ways, right? But the thing that it sucks at the worst, which is really embarrassing, is evaluation of evidence, right? It's not because it's not a truth finding apparatus, right? It's a it's a punishment apparatus, and it already is the case that like most of the stuff that we submit as evidence is already suspicious and not very good evidence from the start, but it's evaluated as if it's true, right? And the now capability to generate and fabricate extremely believable evidence that would basically be used in court because the same I think it doesn't, I, but I think it doesn't matter I think the court is relevant because the thing is like the public the court of public opinion is where the actual problem is because you can't well, no, it's a, well it's a two-parter they both are big problems right because yeah because the the public the court of public opinion can like fuck up your life really quickly that's true but not to the same extent that the state can fuck up your life I mean I think they my, my point is they both can and at least in the state's yeah. context you have a, a way of supposedly of Putting in evidence, kicking out evidence, whatever. But, thing is, and but, but my back. point is, you don't actually, though, because the way the way that the state well, you at least have works. some artifice for it, for fuck's sake. Like you don't have any of that in the. Like, on I Twitter. would actually argue that you have <laughs> more power in the public space than you do against the state to actually, because I you could would. you could develop counter narratives and put them out and all that kind of stuff. You yeah, know? I but I would totally disagree with that because like you see this, you see this with people with people getting their shit just totally destroyed for something that they didn't actually do in like the public sphere. Yeah, who's a lot of it's like just. Who you go to no one because there's seven thousand people who did a thing and it, you can't hold anybody accountable versus no justice system. Well, well, got appeals, account- got well the, there's a difference between accountability and recovery because I'm talking about 
in a falsely accused case, right? Can you recover from being falsely accused by 7,000 randos on the internet, right? And the answer is most of the time, yes, you can, at least to enough of an extent. It might mean you have to leave like that, whatever that space is, who knows, right? But you as a, and you might, it was just to say, to me, it's all the same shit. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's, if we're splitting. To me, there's a big like, difference between, between being in jail and people not liking me on the internet. That, that's or even the, getting that's, the that's not what I'm talking to you about. I'm, so I'm talking about the all the other part, which is a big difference between being in being in jail with a lawyer with uh, with an appeals courts options versus say uh, having constant death threats, having to move your home, people finding you, doxing you all the time, like never being able to get a job in the industry that you've chosen, like. That, all that stuff is... They both suck. They both suck. I, I, I don't see any suck. reason to be sure. like... I, th- I think it's maybe worse. you have more confidence in the in our justice system actually providing any form of justice, uh, which I actually... No, 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 I, I don't. don't. What I'm saying is that is that is simply that there's systems in place for attempting to, say, push back against... Yeah, I'm just saying like it doesn't matter if the systems are so broken that they don't actually accomplish that, you know? I which mean, is all to say, yeah. oh, we're I not even disagree because I'm yeah. saying all of these things are bad, but the thing that I'm personally worried about the most because the thing that can actually realistically do damage to me with all this stuff is like somebody fakes a bunch of things that cause me to get into legal trouble and then the legal system believes those things or uses them against me, right, for some reason, right? Because the ability of the state to now punish people, and especially like as we move into a fascist regime because people are trying to make that happen, right? The ability of the state to use the same public opinion stuff, but to influence things so that they can then use the arm of like the the power of the state to destroy you. Yeah, but I mean, you're going increasing a bit at the far. same time. You're it's going very, very far. That's like way too fucking far, right? Because like the reality is like you can't just submit a, a fucking voice recording that is challenged as like a, it's an AI thing into a court as admissible evidence. Well, you could because you had to prove that it's not that wasn't you that said it. You to prove the opposite, right? No, they don't like. like you don't actually get because, like, because I mean, you, point, you, can, make, like, you can make I, the I argument, get, but it's on the judge going. to decide. Adam, like, I get where you're going. Is that actually real? Because now, because either part of such a dystopian future with this that it's like it's not accurate, right? I, I, I get what you're saying as far as like the extreme on the extreme on the extreme, right? You're taking the extreme case of the justice system failing. Every time, everyone, every time, you take an extreme case I know, of a I know, I'm not saying I'm not saying people. everyone every time. I'm saying this is going. All of this stuff is going to happen to individual people. It's going to happen. Oh yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you on that. The depth. To, so that's what I talk about. The depth. The depth to which this stuff can now fuck an individual person is going to be just so enormous, right? More powerful than it's ever been. And because of the accessibility, the breadth is going to grow. I'm not saying like literally everybody's going to be falsely imprisoned, et cetera. Like, not at all. We already have like little microcosms of little fascist towns and states and so on that are already throwing people in jail because they want to, right? We already have that. Um, the legal system is already so broken that those people are mostly stuck. But like you said, there are mechanisms that they can get out to higher levels that maybe can save them, right? But if the evidence against them is so well manufactured, right, then it doesn't even, like they can't even escape that if they could have in the first place, right? Well, yeah, I, I think I, if I were to kind of like s- summarize the, the the fears and the and the optimism, I think it's that just like the internet uh, was an amplifier for things that were already happening, yeah. AI is yet another amplifier on top of the amplifier. So like, yeah, yeah it feels like, a lot I of, guess the point is, it feels like the previous one has, especially in recent years, gotten out of control on in one particular kind of amplification, right? Which is this, 
the negativity, the rage, the whatever. The right? echo chamber yeah. thing. Yeah. So well, if you put well, what the top. internet did is it made it so that yeah, because it exasperated stuff because it made the flow of information so easy, right? But what yeah. AI does is it makes the generation uh, of information. the ability to fabricate information go up, right? So that and that's that's a different like they're but the, it's the pairing of those two things together. Yeah, I give it a go. I see right? it, go. it changes. Yeah, it changes the scale of everything. Yeah, I don't know but what's going to happen. Right. It is true that I like I am I am sort of doomsdaying here, but I do honestly, <laughs> I honestly believe that these things are going to be happening. I just oh yeah, really I, think I, I don't just they're going to be happening like at scale, right? But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're all forgetting about the most important victims of the AI future shareholders, which is, which is people with an atypical number of fingers because nobody will ever believe that any picture of them is actually a real picture ever again. That's true. You know, that's true. Mm -hmm. So now you got the opposite problem, which isn't that, isn't that somebody's fabricating things about them. It's that nobody believes their true life actually happened Mm -hmm. because they have six fingers, you know? Yep. You won't (laughs) be able to believe anything, you know? Yeah. Although actually probably at some point there'll be a rule in place then, because like the way that the that they fix these AIs is, is they like learn what a finger is and you put in a rule. It's like you can only have five of these or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So probably if you've got anything different than the average of anything, you just won't That's be able to then be you're safe. You're actually safer that way, I think, because mm. it's easier to tell. Well, here's here's the big question for you for the at the end of the podcast, which is is this where for blockchain who? becomes useful? <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Now nope. this is the time. <laughs> is this finally the moment? No, but it, but it will be the case that, that <laughs> being able to being able to prove your identity and that's what and I mean. Auth- and authenticate a piece. But the problem is blockchain doesn't help with that. Uh, as a kind of it's no, it's, it's unrelated to that because what blockchain does is it proves that you hold on to something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, that's not even true. It proves it that claims that you do. It uh, proves that a wallet holds on to something, and if you can, mm-hmm. but you can't prove that you hold on to the wallet, so it actually doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so Shit. we and we already have we already have a system for that. It's called a password, right? Is the fact that your brain? Yeah, I was just trying it, to. Like, <laughs> I was just trying to throw a bone to those those tech bros. No, they still don't. They can't on. have any bones. Blockchain bros have been chewing on that one bone that got thrown from 2009 for like hey, 20, 14 years. Yeah, it's made a pretty, made a, you know, pretty good amount of money and now it's it worth nothing. But, you know. Yeah. But uh-huh. that's going to be like the interesting that. next wave of technology, though, is going to be identification proof. It's going to be like, because there's already a lot of stuff going on. There's always has been a lot of stuff going on towards that, but that's going to become so important that I think that's going to be kind of the next. The yeah. new like major industry that gets created by all this AI stuff is going to be how do you authenticate stuff, right? Yep. And that's going to be what a, is real, yeah. And what and and like it actually is going to be easier to do that with things like images and video and stuff because there are way more ways to embed information and stuff. But that's going to be basically impossible with text. Um, so it's going to yep. be it's going to be interesting and bad. <laughs> And good. <laughs> it's going to be everything amplified times. Well, it's it's going to yep. be like, yep. thing is, yeah, it's going to be really bad and really good and really interesting. And like, we're going to see that whole fucking picture. And, and really boring sometimes yep. too. Yep. Sometimes we're gonna just call it. Cause it's going to be really everything. It's going to be a lot. Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As they say. That's accurate. Well, something to think about. For next <laughs> <week>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. all the time we have. 
Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DeCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. And as always, we would uh, like to invite you to head on over to Steam and give Crashlands 2 a wish list if you haven't done so already. It helps... Uh, give us some algorithmic exposure for the game and gets more visibility and it helps us out a ton. So please head on over there and do that if you haven't. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.